Hey, 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 happy Sunday. And we're back with episode number one of Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. Let's see if I can get a countdown going. All right. Happy Sunday. I see we already have people joining us. I am so excited to be back on air. Oh, back on air. Let me see if I could talk this morning. And who am I? I am your host, Dr. Carol Penn, doubly board certified in family and obesity medicine and your master movement meditation and mindset coach, two-time best-selling author, and all around human being evolving, trying to be the best I possibly can be. And what is this show about? Well, weightless in mind, body, and spirit. We do take a look at the science behind the relapsing, remitting disease of obesity and all the organ systems that it affects. We take that functional medicine dive in. We take that restorative medicine dive in. And we also look at what it means to be weightless in mind, body, and spirit, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, often combining the two. And today's show is so exciting because we're looking at the very, very complex issue of diversity, equity, inclusion, and how do we all get there? What does that mean for us in mind, body, and spirit? What does it mean to human evolution? What does it mean to our parameters of health? What does it mean to our politics and government? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? And we have two superstar guests, and you know we always have superstar guests, so get out your pens and your pads, get ready to take some notes, who are going to be joining in and continuing this discussion. One is a brand new guest. I can't wait for you to meet her. And the other one is a friend that you've been seeing over many episodes as we continue our journey as two of America's top doctors tackling and looking at the issue of our lifetime, which is the global pandemics, the coronavirus, racism, violence, economics, all of it, all of it. We, climate change, we are looking at it and we are doing our best to be change agents out there on the front lines. But without further ado, I'm going to do a little libation and land acknowledgement to bring us into that spiritual plane together, to call in the spirits, to call in the ancestors, to acknowledge and appreciate what and who has gone before. So I have my beautiful, beautiful plant here. And she is gorgeous, isn't she? And I want us to be more like this plant. This plant would no more think of not blooming, of not being beautiful, of not being the queen that she is, because that's her purpose in life. That is who, what she was designed to be. Well, we're designed to be magnificent, as my late dad would say as well. So standing upon the shoulders 
of all of our ancestors, your ancestors and my ancestors, standing upon the shoulders of our teachers, all of our teachers, your teachers and my teachers, standing upon and remembering the consecrated ground of the indigenous people and the native people, the world over. Here I am in New Jersey, standing on the consecrated ground of the Lenai Lenape, upon whose ground are you standing? We remember you, we thank you, and we pour the libation to open today's show. And we respond with Ashe, Ashe that brings in the energy, Ashe that says, and so it is from the Yoruba language found on the continent of Africa, spoken to Nigeria, Ghana, that West Coast of Africa. All right, all right. So welcome, welcome. I'm gonna return the plant to her place and I'm going to introduce our very first guest. She's so gorgeous and beautiful. I just got to know her in the last couple of weeks because Dr. Kathy Farah, yes, Dr. Kathy's back, another one of our favorites. We were keynote speakers and presenters for the Integrative Education Symposium. The audience is primarily our nation's occupational therapists. So I've been learning so much more about that profession and also about their challenges around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we were very, very, very honored to present our course. So I am going to bring our first guest on, but first I got to look at my notes and my technology over here. Oh, we're so technical these days. So I'm going to add her to the screen stream just so we could watch her blush while I do this introduction over. There she is, Dawn Paulson, Dawn Paulson. So Dawn Paulson has more than two decades of experience in delivering occupational therapy services to children and families in home, clinic, and school settings, as well as providing consultation, collaboration, and program development for organizations serving children on the autism spectrum. So if y'all have any questions about autism and occupational therapy. Don't be shy about dropping those in the chat. She currently serves on the leadership team of integrative therapy, providing exceptional therapy services to charter schools throughout the Twin Cities Metro, integrative education, providing high quality continuing education opportunities for clinicians worldwide, and is consultant for Ignite Child Development Services, a Minnesota and Wisconsin-based organization providing innovative programming for underserved and at-risk children. All right. Well, let's give her a great big pen, Global Visions. Oh, wait, listen, mind, body, and spirit. Welcome. Good morning and happy Sunday. Thank you for getting up so early. It's an hour earlier where you are. So, and is the weather freezing cold there? Actually, today it's starting to warm up in Minnesota. Today is supposed to be 60 degrees. So we are very excited about that. 
And what better day to wake up early on than a day that we are going to reach 60 degrees. I have the whole day ahead of me um, to enjoy that outdoor weather. So, yeah. Something's wrong here. It's 25 in New Jersey. What? Oh, it's cold. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And now let's go ahead and bring our friend on, our superhero, superstar friend, Dr. Kathy Fair. You all know Dr. Kathy. You remember Dr. Kathy. And we are so excited. There she is, the beautiful Kathy Fair. <laughs> we are here, and you know that she is an integrative super doc, family med board certified. She is on faculty. She's senior faculty with the Center for Mind Body Medicine. And she is just about all things changing. She is the chief visionary officer for her company, Wiser Medicine, and she too is based in Wisconsin. Now, for both of you this morning, just in case our audience has forgotten, what there's something big getting ready to happen this week in Wisconsin. So could you just remind us all of what that is and really what has just brought us all together and why we feel it's so compelling at this time to continue this conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So um, Dawn, if you want to just let's bring us into the conversation. <laughs> Well, good morning. And um, I think Kathy is probably a better one to answer this particular question because she has been downtown Minneapolis and has, has firsthand seen the boarded up um, storefronts. But um, the trial is starting. Maybe we should just say it isn't Wisconsin, it's Minnesota. True. Yes, it is in Minnesota, in, in um, downtown Minnesota. And the, the trial is starting soon for the officers involved. Um, in in the murder of George Floyd. Um, and Kathy, I don't know what, if you want to talk a little bit about what you have seen this week. Well, I, guess I was in Minneapolis on Wednesday and I just noticed, and also just even watching the news, even though I live in Wisconsin, I'm a, I'm a border person. So I spend some time in Minneapolis as well. And certainly even you know on the news as you know, they're deciding uh, they're going to be choosing juries um, and just... You can just feel um, the energy that is rising in the city and, you know, starting to put, not starting, they have been putting fences around public buildings, et cetera, um, really preparing for what might happen no matter what the verdict is and just really feeling that. And for me, I know, and I think others, it brings me back to the, the killing of George Floyd and um, really bringing a light, a bigger light, a light again to um, really what the history of our country is and current history is. Absolutely, absolutely. And let me just see, I'm gonna welcome a couple of people who got up early with us. So good morning, Victoria, there we go. And good morning, Sharon. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning, Christina. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and so it's like someone said, oh, Dawn, you know about sensory integration therapy? Excellent. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we have many just knowledgeable people that are part of this audience. And so Rebecca is one of our nation's top therapists. So there's DM and there's Martha 
Yes, yes. So yeah, prayers for this new season, Dr. Carol Penn and your ventures. Hey, good morning, Christine. So yeah, we are awake. We are in the house. Good morning, Dr. Tanya. So we have a, a wonderful audience that's here with us already this morning. So one of the things that I would like you, Dawn, just tell people a little bit about integrative education, because I don't know that this audience outside of Victoria really would know about integrative education and about occupational therapy or your association for occupational therapy as well. Yeah. So um, integrative education started actually as a different organization many, many, many years ago. Um, my whole career as an occupational therapist, um, the, the, um, it, was, it was the PDP initially symposium that served as kind of our annual networking and continuing education weekend, long weekend. Um, it was a place that you could count on for really high quality continuing education, um, especially pertaining to the pediatric population. Um, and um, throughout the years that kind of evolved and changed and about four years, three years ago, um, the, the person who put it on was kind of winding down. And um, we, we at Integrative Education heard that it might not be happening anymore. And for something that had been so beloved to us, this, this annual gathering of <clears throat> friends and also gathering of really esteemed clinicians, you know, providing this education, um, you know, Heather, who owns Integrative Education, said, you know, I, I wonder, could we take it on? Could we, could we continue this legacy that had been started by Eileen Rector. And so um, we kind of, you know, she pulled a team of us together and um, and we, we did the first one with Eileen's mentorship and um, it turned out, it turned out great. We had um, some great attendance and people were thankful that um, it was continuing. And so we've done it now two times in person. And then this year, of course, <laughs> uh, we had the opportunity to figure out how to do it virtually. <laughs> uh, and and um, so so that was a new adventure. And um, the good news is we, we did it. And again, we brought really wonderful courses and opportunities for people to learn, including the course that you, Dr. Carol, and you, Dr. Kathy, gave, um, and people were so receptive and so grateful um, that it was still held and still held with, with these high-quality courses being offered. So um, Integrative Education also does offer um, ongoing, either on-demand or, you know, we've now expanded into offering continuing virtual continuing education courses throughout the year. So that's something to, to kind of take a look keep a look out for. Um, and then in regards to your question about occupational therapy, um, I love talking about occupational therapy. Um, <laughs> I love being an occupational therapist. Um, I am proud of my profession. My profession is one in that, like in the very definition of occupational therapy, um, it's a holistic 
field. So we look at mind, body, spirit, and we we look at those domains and help people be if they're struggling in one or more of those domains, be able to um, come up with solutions or therapy or rehabilitation so that they're able to engage in what is important to them. So that's the occupation in occupational therapy. It is um, how, what occupies our time? What is of importance to mm-hmm. us in our daily lives? And, and it could be, um, you know, for me working with children, their occupation is play. Their occupation is school. Their occupation, you know, what is filling their days is interacting with friends and being able to participate in family routines. And so those are all things as a pediatric occupational therapist that I look at um, and and sit down with families and with, with children and help them um, name what is it they want to be able to do and then how can we get you there? Wow, wow. Thank, well, thank you for that. So, so I, I, hear, I hear an echo. Do you all hear an echo? All right, hold on one second. I'm going to close that. There we go, echo gone. So hmm. one of the things, I, occupational therapy is also great for adults, by the way. It was an occupational yes, therapist. I got my husband walking again. And all of the things that you just mentioned that's important in the world of children have been greatly impacted by the pandemic. So that's number one. Number two, occupational therapy predominated by women and predominated also by white women. So here comes Dr. Kathy and I going to talk two days around this subject. Dr. Kathy, what was the name of our course? What were were we talking about and why was this important? So I believe the official name of our course was Disrupting Racialized in historical trauma. Um, There might have been a few more words in there through mind, body, spirit medicine. Right, right. right. And what you bring to the table matters. Yes. Disrupting generational and racialized trauma, what you bring to the table matters. Yes. Mind had gone to like our next course's titles. (laughs) (laughs) What we wanted to do is we wanted the opportunity and we really were so grateful, um, Dawn, and of course, Heather, who's going to be on tomorrow night um, on my show, but uh, with with Dawn and uh, Carol as well, uh, we really wanted to do is to offer to this a wonderful organization, uh, an opportunity really to look at what is happening both for ourselves individually, and as a community and as a profession, um, and combine it with mind, body, spirit techniques. And I really liked that we, we did it in a two day format. So we could really dive in, experience, share, and then and then what you bring to the table matters. Um, really represented not only what brings to the exam room or the exam table or the but also even the kitchen table. You know, mm-hmm. so what we are and who we are as we have an encounter, whether it's a conversation like this or an encounter now on screen with children and families. You know what, who we are and what we bring matters, and is there are there things that need to shift in that? Um, Absolutely, and and you know, so Dr. Kathy, why does this remain important to you? That as we have 
you know, had our formal journeys in the last year, touching down with audiences. And this was an audience that you had a relationship with prior because of Camp Avanti. It was a new audience for me. And I'm so grateful to, you know, be expanding the territory and finding people who are willing and want to, to change. Yeah, yeah. So first, you know, yes, shout out to Camp Avanti. So this is a camp in Wisconsin for uh, children with sensory integration disorder. Uh, and many of them have diagnoses. They're not their diagnoses, but they have diagnoses um, like high functioning autism or Asperger's or whatever it happens to be. And um, so that wonderful group of occupational therapists, the most big hearted people that I know are mm -hmm. part of the community, of the large community that uh, attends this, this uh, workshop and these conferences. Um, so at any rate, um, as I have looked at, you know, both my own racism and seen it in other um, places, of course, because it's insidious in our country in particular, um, this just seemed like a logical place to offer. And, you know, Heather and I had some conversations. Um, and Heather attended one of our courses. And I also spent a little time, we all have, looking at, as we saw <clears throat> after the George Floyd murder, in particular, many organizations have issued statements uh, uh, regarding diversity, equity, uh, and inclusion, for example. And, you know, the uh, American uh, Occupational Therapy Association, you know, looking at that, they definitely have a very clear statement. What I'm seeing, and I'm not just singling out that organization, I see with American Association of Family Practice, et cetera, um, that there's a statement. And it almost feels like a little bit like a checkoff. Okay, now we've made our statement. We have a statement. We have a statement on our website. But how can that statement actually be enacted? What does it really mean? And so it was, it was an opportunity to really bring that and what we know and just what we continue to learn, what I continue to learn, uh, to uh, a supportive venue. All right. Well, excellent. Excellent. I'm taking some notes myself because this is something that's dynamic and ongoing. So now we're going to switch gears a little bit here because Dr. Kathy and I, we're going on to another audience, one that I had a relationship with previously. Now, Dr. Kathy is coming on and that's the Association for the Advancement of Restorative medicine, 35,000 member strong organization that also is looking at what we're doing. The title of our course is Unpacking Racism for the Healthcare Professional. And I'm going to put the uh, website information up there because it's a course that you can register in. And it's two for one. It's CME, CEU, so you can get your continuing um, education credits by participation, as you could with the Integrative Education Symposium. So even more reason to make the investment. But I say the reason to make the investment is the life that you're saving is your own as well as our planets, because they're all so interconnected. So here we go. Dr. Kathy and I are doctors. Dawn is an occupational therapist. So what's the umbrella? Ah, we're healthcare professionals. So Martin Luther King once said, of all the forms of inequality, injustice in health is the most shocking and inhumane. So I've been working on this little bit of a thesis. I'm going to put this out there and we're going to dive in looking at dismantling racism through the lens of structural racism versus 
Individual racism. I believe that the lens of racism is so uncomfortable and disquieting. People feel compa compelled to turn away from the soul-sucking, almost fundamentally unsolvable infectoid of racism. I'm concerned if people who are working in the diversity, equity, um, and inequality arena keep going down the path of asking individuals to account for their racism, white privilege, etc. We might not get any closer to ending it than we have over the past 400 years. This issue somehow feels too big, too overwhelming for any one individual to take on, especially if you have been on the side of the color line that has benefited disproportionately. It is so insidious that an individual nervous system simply seems to short circuit rather than expand in a way that allows for integration of the information within the confines of any one being or psych. In her book, The Sum of Us, What Racism Costs Everyone and How We Can Prosper Together, author Heather McGee asked the following question. It is progressive economic conventional wisdom that racism accelerates inequality for communities of color. But what if racism is actually driving inequality for everyone? What if, if you have an answer to that question, go ahead and drop it in the chat. So Dr. Kathy or Dawn, do you want to jump in on that concept, that idea? What if racism is actually driving inequality for everyone? I can jump in. I'm still back a little bit, and I read I read your words again earlier this morning or earlier today. The the value of you starting an hour later, Dr. Carroll, um, <laughs> and and I'm still struck, and and every time I hear it, um, the fact that um, healthcare itself um, the is uh, is a cause of trauma, so to speak, a cause of inequality is very. Um, I know it, and it still hurts me um, because I feel like, wow, that's not why I went into medicine. I went into medicine to help people, mm -hmm. right? And to really see and feel that that fundamental inequality and in how people might be treated you know, in the exam room or in the emergency room. And I, I know that because I read the studies, and yet they're still... So I think this is another um, example of how just right here now in real time, I have to own that, and I find myself breathing a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm just aware of that and aware of that. That's really how we use you know the mind-body medicine. So I think it's a really interesting concept, um, and I think that it is an important concept that it can be harming all of us. And I feel like this is a, um, I don't, I, I, it seems weird to call it an exciting concept, but I think it is because I think that that may be the way that we are able to move forward because this is such, especially U.S., it's such an individualist nation, right? Um, you know, I always think about the fact like who came, you know, our Native American, you know, brothers and sisters, of course, were here, but who else came, you know, the populations that were, you know, that were absconded and brought here against their will, 
and population of people like my ancestors ancestors who who were either I'm not sure why they came to be honest with you however they were the risk takers all right mm -hmm. they decided that you know hopping on a ship or whatever and going to the far reaches so I think that we have a lot of rugged individualism in this country but I think that if we can I don't I don't have the answer of course however but I like that opportunity to think about that concept of how is it affecting everyone? That Those are my words at this time. Well, thank you. Thank you. Dawn, what are your thoughts about it? How is this affecting, impacting everyone? Yeah. Well, you know, as you were reading, and I haven't um, received my book in the mail yet. So <laughs> um, I did read your notes before the, the show, um, actually, uh, all week. Um, and... Um, I, I too am excited about that concept and that really resonates with me. Um, you know, th there, there was a, a congressman from Minnesota whose name was Paul Wellstone and he had a phrase that he used and it was, we all do better when we all do better. And I think that phrase encapsulates kind of this idea of, um, it, you know, kind of getting rid of this divide and really, um, you know, let's let's gather everyone. And, and, you know, I think in gathering everyone, it can make us all, lift us all up. Um, so for me, um, being not as familiar with the, the, the book and the work, mm -hmm. um, but hearing you talk about that concept, it's one that I want to continue having conversations about. Um, and I think has a lot of potential to be a concept that is a un uniting concept for people. Absolutely. There, it's interesting that there, there are now communities across America that have decided that racism is a public health issues and they've begun to put things in place and that that say no we need to tackle this on the systemic level and so local governments have a very toolkit for dealing with the pandemic. The pandemic has really highlighted and underscored all this. And some have risen to the challenge, implementing tough public health guidelines, increasing social service spending, and supporting local businesses. More than half of all the states have enacted budget legislation to try to ameliorate the outbreak and its economic impacts with programs as diverse as Arizona's, broad-based 50 million crisis contingency and safety net fund, California providing 100 million for educational institutions to purchase personal protective equipment and school cleansing services, and Maryland Governor Larry Hogan's procuring and securing 500,000 testing kits directly from South Korea so the uh, federal government could not seize them. And then there's local communities that are also doing very important work along this arena. So these are, you know, like, you know, it's the beginnings of this shifting in and mindset. So here's the truth. The logic that launched the zero zum paradigm, and I want y'all to write this down. It might not be a term that you're familiar with. Zero sum paradigm. I will, which means 
I will profit at your expense. So that idea that's been propagandized has caused this nation so much harm that if a black person does better, on the other side, a white person does less better. If an immigrant does better on the other side, and you know, a, and just that reductionist idea, wow, what that is cost in that mentality when it simply isn't true. The numbers don't hold up. Yet when when you think, okay, if a minority benefits, you know, that hurts a white person and prevents a white person from quote unquote getting ones there. Well, you know, do the math, do the numbers. When Medicaid is not expanded, that does yes, it does have an impact in minority communities, but who it hurts mostly is white people. Because there are more white people in this country than than any place else. So some of it is is math. And again, opening up the mindset to have a greater understanding. So here, more collaboration, less competition to repair systemic racism. So here we go. So the logic that launched the zero-sum paradigm, I will profit at your expense, is no longer sparing millions of white Americans from the degradations of American economic life as people of color have always known it. Look at the people in food lines for the first time. Look at the economic collapse. Millions and millions and millions of people jobless. What what color are those people? The majority of the color is has a white skin. It's hurting us all. But it's like this. It's like uh, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater mentality. And this is what we have to break through. We have to break through the smoke and mirrors of this mentality that has allowed us to get to this place where so many are hurt. Yes. Um, So here we have our, our audience is chiming in, ladies. Are you ready? So Martha, it's simply disturbing that you hurt, feel bad. Something is wrong and you try to get treatment. You see others getting answers or different medicines, a different amount of time spent. So it seems it has to be exhausting to treat people in a different manner. My uncle once told me you go to the doctor's office and they look at you different. They are afraid to touch your skin. They may catch something. They don't wash their hands or use the same care to treat you as you should expect. So that perspective from an African-American woman with that lived experience, Victoria, the bottom line of racism to my understanding is rooted in one's upbringing. We can enact all the laws and bills, et cetera, they want, but until a person is aware and accepts their stereotypical mindset, implicit bias, complicity, and then willing to change racism is going to be a problem. So yeah, so, you know, part of the work that, Kathy and I are doing. This is the the beauty, I think, of the the seminar, the webinar, and now course, just looking at through the lens of the genogram. So this becomes a very personal exploration and one's lived experience and one's memory and one's knowledge of what they know about their family, that a person can then begin to build a platform upon which to act, upon which to think, upon which to broaden their mindset. 
I'm not so much interested in changing people's minds and heart as I am in expanding the peripheral vision that allows other understanding to come in and layer in. Because you're right, Victoria, it takes way too much time and energy to change your mind and change your heart. And I think basically it's very difficult for people to change, but I do know that people can expand their peripheral vision. So any thoughts about that, particularly about how we integrate the neurobiology, Dr. Kathy and, and Dawn, because that's all a part of what you do in occupational therapy as well. Um, well, I just wanted to back up and say um, that, that partic so I participated in your course last weekend, um, both as a moderator of the course, but also as a participant. And um, what I appreciated ab about, I appreciated so many things about the course um, and about looking at our, our genomes and as it pertains to us individually. Um, and like you said, laying the foundation for then, what are we bringing to the table? What um, what are we we ourselves walking out into the world with? Um, but two of the main takeaways I had from your course um, were like this idea of asking better questions, and so asking. And for me, that meant continually asking questions. Why this? Why? How did this system end up this way? Where does this come from? Um, and then and then in that, the answer, um, as, as we pull back the curtain, I'm having this image of like the Wizard of Oz and um, pulling back the curtain and really seeing how things are made. Um, and, and with that pulling back the curtain, once it's revealed, then we can start the hard work of healing. Um, and so uh, I think your original question maybe had to do with neurobiology and all that. I'll let Dr. Kathy talk about that. Um, but, but as you were talking also, um, I just wanted to jump in with that because what it did was create this space um, where we as participants could come together and have these tough conversations um, that, that sometimes can be really hard and really um, intense for a nervous system. And, and I'll, I'll turn it over to Ka Dr. Kathy to talk about um, that. Um, but what you did is provided us tools to help mitigate that intensity so that we were able to remain engaged and not get overwhelmed with the material that we were discussing. And um, so I think this idea of mind-body um, is, is so it laid on top of discussing and working um, to dismantle structural racism and um, all of the, the racism we all carry around um, in, a day -to -day, in our day-to-day -day lives. I think layering that on top is, um, is so powerful and important. Thank you, Don. You underestimate yourself in your knowledge, by the way. Um, and I don't know if you realize that the Victoria who's been chiming in is an occupational therapist too. So I wanted to point that out. Um, so such great people and um, such great minds. 
Yeah, and I really appreciate that um, review, essentially, lived experience of the course, uh, because we are essentially taking it and putting it into um, into a weekly course, into a weekly webinar series. And to be honest with you, we need to get the word out. We need, need to get the word out and want to get the word out to people who could really benefit uh, and are interested in this course. Um, I know for me, because even though Carol and I, Dr. Carol and I are teaching the course, we're still participating. Mm -hmm. We're still drawing, you know, Carol mentioned our genogram, uh, which is the family tree where we draw our, our ancestors, uh, our family chosen and otherwise. And we look at where might, uh, in this case, we look at where might our um, messages about race come in? And are there messages that we may want to change or just even knowing about it and realizing, you know, how different our lived experiences can be, whether I'm in this skin or, you know, Dr. Carol's experience throughout her life. Mm -hmm. So I think it's been a, it's been a really a great opportunity. And I also realize already, Carol, that, you know, as more information comes through and that New England Journal of Medicine article you're referring to, you know, we'll be in court and this is a real time living, breathing curriculum we do. So even if you did, you know, unpacking racism, you know, a year ago, um, what we're going to be doing, it's changing all the time. So um, in terms of neurobiology, I think I was, I must have been like, put that out of my head for a while. It really helps me and has helped me over the years in dealing with uh, any kind of trauma, any kind of um, bodily response, physical response. It helps me to know why did I do that? Why did that happen? It's been so freeing, uh, for example, to, to learn like, oh, okay, I froze. All right, I didn't have the right words. Well, that's because I froze because because of perhaps something that happened to me in the past, many times it is. And not only that, how can I work through this? And so here's some strategies, whether it's breathing, whether it's Qigong, whether it's shaking, whether it's um, journaling, and really involving many different modalities that involve many different parts of our brain to help us seek our own wisdom. So it's not just me yakking at you or Dr. Carol with her beautiful words. It's really discovering for yourself because that's really how the knowledge happens and how the change happens. You know, we can, you know, it's like teaching our children. You can say the same thing over and over again, but until they have the lived experience, that's when the learning happens. Mm, yeah. Um, and I'll chime in there too. I'm, um, I've, I've, taken coursework and I'm certified in something called sensory motor psychotherapy. And the idea behind that is um, that trauma or, or any, you know, big T trauma or little T trauma lives in our bodies. And that's now being, being shown to be true. And so um, while talking about tough stuff is, is helpful and it's, you know, we don't want to throw that out. Really, we also need to address what's what's in the body, what's stored in the body, and then through um, connecting that mind and that body together, that's where healing happens. That's where moving forward and integrating the work happens. Um, and so, I think that is what's so powerful about your course is that it does exactly that. Oh well, thank you. So, I want to say shout out. Good morning to to Woodman Walker. Good morning, Dr. Erica. So, uh, this is great.
great that good morning, Linda. Some more people are tuning in from across this great nation of ours and help us spread the word, you know, so please, you know, invite your friends. We are spreading the word through integrative education. If you know somebody that should be in this course, we want, you know, we need your help. You know, it's like, you know, Kathy and I, we're, we're just two people and we're doing what we can do and we need your help. We need your help for people to understand, again, wherever you are and whatever your position is, I'm not asking you to shift from that position, whether I agree with it or not, but I'm asking you to take a look at this, to consider now, we know we might get a whole bunch of people in there that are willing, willing to argue because we might have strongly divergent opinions, but that's okay. That's okay. We want to invite everyone because why? What you bring to the table does matter. So the coronavirus pandemic is a tragic example of governments and corporations failing to protect Black, Brown, and Indigenous lives, though if they had, everyone would have been safer. So this is a clear example that again, it was like in this country, there was a great movement in the like the 1950s and 60s to create more play, public places. And what they did was they opened up public swimming pools that were supposed to be desegregated all across the United States. And guess what happened? There were several states that closed all of those swimming pools down rather than have anybody other than white people in the water. So what happened? Nobody got to swim. So again, another example of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. What kind of sense does that make? So I want to go dig a little bit deeper. We're, um, we're going down, going, going, going down into this subject more and more. The core principle of what we do in healthcare is to first do no harm. Due to structural racism, that is almost, if not impossible to accomplish, since the system is fundamentally designed within this zero-sum paradigm. The number of physicians, nurses, and other healthcare professionals experiencing moral injury is at an all-time high, leading to increasing mental health disorders and ever-increasing numbers of death by suicide within the ranks of the healthcare professions. That's a tragic fact that, again, is occurring in real time with this cognitive dissonance and moral injury that's occurring in the collective consciousness of colleagues within our profession. And we have one of the nation's type, uh, top psychiatric doctors on with us, Dr. Erica, who could tell us about that along with Dr. Um, well, yeah, with Rebecca, who does her work in this area. So yes, Kathy and Dawn, absolutely true. It is the integration between mind and body to create healing from, from trauma. It's imperative to include the body and healing traumas. So here we go. So Patricia's what therapies are best to release trap trauma from the body? How do we find therapists to do this? Rebecca's providing an answer right there. So there we go. And then here is the swimming pool story that I'm referring to. 
where you can find out about, again, that let's throw the baby out with the bathwater type of mentality that close, cause, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these public parks to be closed down. Yep. And you can find great therapist on psychologytoday.com. All right. So again, you know, we need people to be in action and go ahead and register for this course, because again, if nobody registers, guess what? Organizations will not have any reason to step out on a limb to offer this. And again, you will get your CMEs and CEUs for this course. So very important. So the New England Journal, I'm just getting to the New England Journal of Medicine article and author Zinzi D. Bailey et al. The name of the article is How Structural Racism Works, Racist Policies as a Root Cause of the U.S. Racial Health Inequities posits the thesis that as a legacy of African enslavement, structural racism affects both population and individual health in three interrelated domains. Number one, put this in the chat, redlining, redlining and racialized residential segregation. Because This is y'all's homework. Y'all's homework is you can go and you can look it up and read it for yourself and come to your own process here. Number two, mass incarceration and police violence. And number three, unequal medical care. These examples among others share certain cardinal features. Harms are historically grounded, involve multiple institutions and rely on racist cultural tropes. So your homework would be to read the article. It's available on the internet, the New England Journal of Medicine, December 20th, 2020, how structural racism works, racist policies as a root cause of the U.S. racial health inequities. So your homework would be to read the article and look at the racial composition of your own neighborhood. So this is one, redlining and racialized residential segregation. So look at the racial composition of your own neighborhood, your property taxes, and what services you have access to in your neighborhood, and ask yourself, how did this come to be? Do you know what the homeowner's loan corporation is? Do you know what the homeowner's loan corporation is and how it came to be and how it impacts you? It was in place for most of many of our lifetimes, certainly for Kathy and I being the more mature people. <laughs> While you were growing up, were you ever told that there was a bad side of town? If so, what was this based on and why? The other, literally the other side of the tracks. Oh, don't go over there. That's not a very safe side of town. And if you ever hear any of those words, go ahead and drop it in the chat if that sounds familiar to you. Then I, if you're not familiar with redlining, I want you to look it up. That's your responsibility to take that on and find out these things that are impacting you each and every day. And you might not know that you're being subject to. So Victoria has a, a comment. Racism comes from people who still have the slave era mentality. When people of color, especially African-Americans, were left voiceless by being portrayed to be less 
than human. That mentality has been transferred from generation to generation, but more people have become aware, are becoming aware, and openly talking more about race, race relations, and racism. The question is, how can we get more people to take note of their actions and beliefs ingrained into them to make the shift? Powerful. It's a great question. So, and thank you, DM, the producer of the show, who's just on it this morning. There is where you can go get your own copies very easily out there on the internet about the New England Journal of Medicine, which is what considered one of the top medical journals, not only in the United States, but globally as well. So take a look, take a screenshot. That's your homework. Martha, are all professional persons willing that they are part of the issue of racism are the corporations? They have contracts um, which allow them to speak without their lawyers. How far are things going to come into play? Person, uh, ex- yeah, all these are great questions, Martha. Great questions. And I do know that, um, yeah, so how much are people willing to admit about their personal beliefs? Well, who knows? Who knows? And I'm asking people if that feels too much, if that to, to look at how, you know, these, some of these broader issues. So you do, you want to look up that information about redlining. Because it's impacting you, trust and believe. You want to know about that historic, um, the Homeowners Loan Corporation. Now, it's been replaced, but it was in play for a long, long time. And while it was in play, drop it in the chat. What do you think was happening? What do you think was happening? Because So when we look at the economic gap. We look at the educational gap. We look at the healthcare gap. How did that law impact all of those areas? Important question if you're, you know, on this journey. So here, Rebecca, it was more veiled in the town I grew up in. But yes, there was an implied idea that where my black friends lived was less valuable in housing than where I was, which was less valuable than where the wealthier people lived. It was a racial and a financial caste system. Bing, bing, bing. Bing, bing, bing. Now, if we could just take what Rebecca's sharing and realizing that we have more to gain by aligning people who were impacted by a racial and financial caste system. How might that shift things? How might that change the picture? How might we stop arguing and get out of the zero sum paradigm and realize, okay, if I link arms with you, maybe we can shift the conversation around in equity, in housing, right? Right? So here, Rebecca is recommending my grandmother's hands. Yes, 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 yes. It is an excellent book. And also he gives lot, Resma Menekum gives lots of examples in there about how we can 
use our breath and our bodies to shift some of the tension that goes in when we're having tough conversations like this. All right. So, you know what? We're coming up on the hour already. There's so much more just in this first area around redlining, around the housing issue that impacts all these other areas. So, Dawn and Dr. Kathy, I'm going to give you all the the last word. It's so important because especially, so let's have Dawn and then Dr. Kathy. So Dr. Kathy can set us up and invite us to her show tomorrow. Uh, Well, first of all, I just wanted to thank you for inviting me. Uh, Thank you, backing up. Thank you for putting this course together. Um, It is needed it, it is um, such a value to all of us to be to be able to have these conversations and be brought together um, and, and do tough things in a really supportive um, environment. And you are welcoming, you are engaging, um, and that is something that I have appreciated. Um, you know, along my journey in this work, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to screw up and say, you know, say the wrong word or not say what I mean. And the two of you together really create an environment where um, it's when that happens, if that happens, when that happens, um, it's safe and you can back up and try again. And um, kind of I love that you opened with saying, um, the course last week, you opened by saying, you want us to put on a beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sort of allowed everyone to take a breath and enter, um, in, enter the work in that way. Um, and, and so, so thank you for creating the program. Thank you for being you, wonderful, amazing, intelligent, vibrant women, um, and for, for bringing this out into the world. Um, and thank you for having me on today. This was lovely. Uh, well, thank you. You're welcome back many, many, many times. So Dr. Kathy, I'm so excited. Tell us about tomorrow night where we're going to continue the, and even on Wednesday. So Dawn, maybe you can mention what's going to happen on Wednesday because we're doing our follow-up Wednesday. That's right. So as a part of the courses at the Integrative Education Symposium, um, we kind of came up with this idea that it might be really nice for people a couple weeks out from the course having had gone home after the course, digested the information, um, maybe tried to implement some of what they learned and maybe came up with more questions to have an opportunity to come back together then and in a community of practice. Um, So to come back together in community with you, the instructors and with the people who attended the course and be able to, um, to, to come again and say, okay, like, this is where I'm at now. And these are the questions that have come up, or this is what um, I've tried and um, to keep the work moving forward instead of it being just a course that you attended and then, um, you know, checked off your list, so to speak. (laughs) Excellent. Dr. Kathy. Yeah. So it's not just a checkup. It's a work in progress all the time. And so that's why we like building on it. We like having these conversations tomorrow night on my Facebook live, uh, both of them. So it's Kathy Farah MD um, or Kathy Wise Doc, W-I-S-D-O-C. Originally it was Wisconsin Doc, but 
I guess people call it WiseDoc. Um, so at 7 p.m. Central, so 8 p.m. your time. We're going to continue this conversation. We're also going to have Heather Schmidt on, um, the founder of the Integrative Education Symposium, uh, to talk more about this and to expand the conversation in the areas that Dr. Carroll had talked about. Um, and there's great resources that everybody is uh, putting into this. Um, I, obviously, my grandmother's hands are fantastic. And I really believe that taking the work from our home study into practice in a supportive environment, as Dawn mentioned, helps for me to actually then bring it out into the community. So that is what I have to say. Wonderful. And, and again, thank you. Other than thank you, you know, implicit thank you, Carol DM. Penn Global Vision and these wonderful people that show up. It's great to see you all again. It's great. And, you know, so Victoria is sharing an example. When I got to a patient's house, he asked me to show my credentials. He wasn't sure of my schooling like my Caucasian colleagues where Victoria discharged him, not worth the aggregations. Luckily, the company she works for closed his case and told him to find another company. And unfortunately, this is all still too common. So uh, Patricia wants to get in touch with you, Dawn. So we'll do an email introduction. How's that? Yeah. That could work. Patrick, so love with both hands open. Keep your lamps filled with oil for the light to keep shining through truth. Educate, encourage, and lift each other up. Change comes from a place of love and compassion. Yes, 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 Patrick. Shout out and gratitude to the Center for Mind, Body, Medicine, which brought Kathy together. Our mentor, Dr. James Gordon, who continues to embrace and teach us and, you know, gives, you know, has just been fuel for our fire to even, you know, come together because that's where we met. And so proud to be a part of organizations that are being the change we need to see in the world. And we, we are proud of that. And that's such a strong part of our foundation. Kathy now for 20 plus years and me for 10 plus years. But Kathy started when she was 10. So, okay. <laughs> All right. So um, Martha's prepared to go, but she, wow, I need to think a little bit more. Yeah, the death in our families. Yes, our condolences, Martha, our condolences. Our hearts go out to you and, and it extends back and forth because many of you know, you know, my story and story of loss in, in 2020 and it continues in 2021. So great big uh, thank you here. Yes, and Patricia's saying sorry for your losses. You know, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful community that we have here. So listen, y'all, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to ask my guests and the producer DM to meet me backstage in the green room. I want you to join tomorrow. Meditation in a time of madness comes back on the air and Dr. Ian will be our guest at some point this week. So you're going to have to tune in to find out when, and we love Dr. Ian. And also remember this show is also a podcast. You can subscribe and listen to wherever you listen to your podcast. You can always find me on a discovery call and I will see you next Sunday. We have the exciting season prepared for you this week. I'm not going to drop a whole lot of information in that in the chat because I want you all to show up what tomorrow 
on Dr. Kathy's show, where we are going to continue this discussion. And Martha, you know, I know you'll be doing some thinking and you'll be able to drop your thoughts in the chat with Dr. Kathy. Yay. Hey, Dr. Kwame, big shout out. Yes. Again, America's top doc show up where they show up on weightless and mind, body, and spirit with your host, Dr. Carol Penn, looking forward to seeing you this week over in Clubhouse, over on Facebook Live, and with Dr. Kathy, most importantly, tomorrow night. I'm going to, it's going to, it's a wrap for today. It's a wrap for today. It is a wrap. Goodbye, you all. Thank you. Namaste and Ubuntu.